So Dr. Kevin Lehman and his Hawaiian shirt are here this morning. It is a tradition for Dr. Lehman to be here and, and to do this generally around the 4th of July is when he's with us. And during that time is usually when he has all his family gathered together up towards Chautauqua Lake. And, and he sneaks away from them and is kind enough to come and hang out with us for a little bit. And so we are so thankful for him sacrificing that time to be with us. If you're not familiar with Dr. Lehman, he is a psychologist and a New York Times bestseller. He's the author now of 51 books, and he, uh, he has appeared on many radio and television broadcasts such as The View, Today Show, Oprah, CBS's Early Show, Live with Regis Philbin, 100 Huntley Street, CNN's America Morning, and he is also the contributing family psychologist to Good Morning America. He is a founder and president of Couples of Promise, which is an organization designed and committed to helping couples remain happily married. He is a founding faculty member of iQuestions.com. He and his wife, Sandy, live in Tucson, Arizona. They have five children. He is a wonderful follower of Jesus, and he's a friend of this faith community. Would you please welcome Dr. Kevin Lehman? Hey, it's good to be here. This is like coming home. That tradition started, I don't know, we're trying to figure out how many years ago that was. Probably about 15 years ago, I came here for the first time. I've been coming ever since. And speaking of friends, I have friends right here in the second row, third row, Marilyn and Rich. Just put your hand up. There they are. They were driving by. Saw your little sign out here on Interstate 90 and said, our friend Kevin is speaking. So they just pulled in. They're on their way over to Mission Meadows Camp on Chautauqua Lake, which is a great little place. Our kids have gone to camp there and been counselors there and everything else. A uh, couple little updates. Um, have a brand new book out. What else is new? Uh, but this is a fiction book called A Perfect Ambition. It's a trilogy, which means this is the first of three books about the firstborn. Is that a surprise to anybody? Where the old man who's like Jack Kennedy, you know, the Kennedy family, he said, we've never had a Worthington in the White House. He's an industrialist, okay? And, uh, so it's a story about a firstborn, but a very influential, very wealthy family. Second book comes out in March about the middle child. Do you think these two kids are anywhere alike? No. And in book two, everything falls apart. Book three, uh, I'm writing as we speak. I'm doing it with a guy named Jeff Nesbitt, who was in the White House. His office was in the White House during Bush one administration. So he knows all the presidents, all these powerful people on a first name basis. So there's been sort of a learning curve for me in fiction, but the book is out and uh, a special treat for you guys. I decided those books, I brought a few books, they're back there, but you can have them for $10 a piece, which means you're getting like eight or $6 off on every book. So if you want some books later, they're there for your taking. Okay, uh, what else I wanna tell you? Oh. Our cruise. We do a cruise in February called Wit and Wisdom. I do it with Dennis Swanberg, who is the funniest person that I've ever been around. And I've been around some very funny people. I've been, I've been on the same platform with Bill Cosby. I'm telling you, this guy is so funny. He makes me laugh. I can make people laugh. That's easy for me. That's a gift that I've got. But to get me to laugh and at somebody else takes some doing. And Swanee is just absolutely funny. Sherry Keggy is with me. 
Dr. Tim Kimmel is with me. He's the author of Little House on the Freeway and uh, a good speaker. So February 21 through 28, my prayer is this, that someone in this church will have the vision to send Jack and Pam. It's Pastor Appreciation Month in October. So don't, don't tell them I said anything like that because that would probably embarrass them. But uh, I, don't think we, I don't think we can ever do enough for our pastors. And, and our worship team, I mean, how many of you take time to say to people who are in the worship team, hey, thank you for sharing your talents? We don't do that. We, we need to be uh, more encouraging than we are in the church. Let's put it that way. And then, um, oh, new book in the fall called Planet Middle School. Planet Middle School. If you have middle schoolers, you're going to acknowledge, hey, Lima, that's a pretty good title. Because I'm telling you, these guys are aliens. All of a sudden, you've got this kid that seems normal, and they hit the pre-hormone group, and they are weird. <laughs> we have Ether Kloss on sale. Uh, they work great with that age group. Just ply them over the nose, and they go right to sleep. <laughs> They're illegal in 15 states. Um, but that's an interesting group of people. And it's interesting, in the publishing business, the publisher can tell me right now the book will be a mega bestseller. How do they know that? They know that because of the pre-orders from all these distributors, but people don't know what to do with middle schoolers. On top of that, parents are so dumb <laughs> that they're giving fourth graders cell phones, which I call the new Goliath. I mean, what we're doing today doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to get to our topic in just a minute. It's called Got Wisdom. And I'm telling you, people don't have wisdom today. It seems like wisdom is just something that we don't find in the fabric of our society anymore. But the other thing I want to say is, you know, in April we had this citywide event, and your church was a centerpiece of that. And I want you to know, I've been telling churches all over America, cities, all about what they did in Erie. And your pastor, Jack, was one of the guys who helped spearhead this thing, okay? And he mentioned, is it Abundant Life? Is that the other church, your sister church? I mean, I saw churches come together in Erie and put together a citywide event for the city of Erie. I think every city should do that. And we weren't out there beating people over the head with Jesus Christ. We were just talking about family. We want to, you got to bring people in, into the church, into the fellowship. Jesus never beat anybody over the head. And so Erie will always be special. Erie First has always got a special place in my heart. Like Jack said, I snuck away. It's been a crazy week. Tomorrow morning up at 3.30 to take kids to the airport. Friday or Wednesday, a repeat of that. Friday, I go to St. Louis to speak, come back Friday night, hop on an airplane for Paris on Sunday. So that's my week. So life is busy, but it's a good busy. Still love what I'm doing. I'm old as dirt, but... Um, Anyway, so anyway, if you want to come on the cruise, we have a couple of cruises available. One's in February, one's in January. The February one is by far the best one. The one in January, I call anybody can afford this cruise cruise. It starts at $569. If you don't mind having a, a cow and a chicken in your suite with you, you'll enjoy that cruise as well. So no, it's just, it's just cheaper. Uh, our topic today is got wisdom. As I said, wisdom seems to be lacking. I wrote a book called 
the way of the wise. In fact, I shared this with you, I think, a couple of years ago. It was a book that I did from beginning to end in 54 days. Now, 54 days is not much time to start at point one and get to point 26 and be done with that sucker from A to Z. But as I told the publisher, they said, they said, Lehman, this book must have just flowed from your heart. I said, hello, that's what this sucker's all about. Listen to this scripture. This is King Solomon. Here's the verse. And most of you know this verse to one degree or another, Proverbs 3. Now, what Solomon was able to do was take about 10 powerful principles of life and pack them in six little verses. And he was the smartest king of all, right? But listen to this. Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Well, what made that special for me is that, and I won't tell you the whole story, you've heard it way too many times, is my sweet mother wrote in my Bible as a kid that very verse, one through six of Proverbs. And of course, I had no use for it, could care less about it. God wasn't real to me at that time in my life. And now all these years later, I've cranked out a book that people seem to enjoy called The Way of the Wise. Well, he says right off the bat, do not forget my teaching. And notice it's personal. He says, son, he's talking to, it's a personal thing. Son, do not forget my teaching. You know, write them on the tablet of your heart. My mother, God bless her, and she was the rock of our family. She told me as an adult, she said, honey, she said, do you realize when you were in high school, I prayed. I prayed fervently for just one C on your report card. <laughs> just one C was all I asked for. It's sort of funny because that book that comes out in the fall, people think sometimes you stretch the truth, you know, when you have a past like I did. Stretch the truth, huh? You can read it. You can see my freshman year report card. And back in those days, they were made of a heavy paper, okay? And handwritten grades, there they are, didn't pass one course. Final grade in algebra, twin deuces, 22. I mean, I remember my daughter bringing home her homework, okay? Her math homework. I remember peering over her shoulder and looking at it and saying, Shazam! <laughs> when they start using letters. <laughs> I mean, it was way beyond me, okay? But, but here it is. And what I've learned in my work with people is that, you know, it's hard to talk to people or teach people who know everything. Today's young people know everything. They roll their eyes. They know better than us. You know people like that in your life? Telling people things is not a cool thing to do. You know what's a cool thing to do? Ask somebody what their opinion is. You know if you ask somebody what their opinion is? They'll tell you. Kids come home from school. What do we say to kids? How was your day today at school, sweetheart? Fine. What'd you do in school today? Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Teenager, where you been? Out. What'd you do? Nothing. And what do kids do? They blow us off. They go to their bedrooms. They slam and click their door. And then they text their buddies like a woodpecker that's got ADHD. 
And they systematically just shut us out of their lives. If you want to impact people's lives, you better have some positive words to say. You ought to be able to take things in stride. I won't tell you my whole story because you've heard it so many times, but for those of you who haven't, I was graduated fourth in bottom of my class, could not in college, got in college, got thrown out of college for stealing the conscience fund, which is just a prank, but the dean of students didn't think it was very funny. Came to Arizona, got a job as a janitor, talk about taking things in stride. In my home, in this little three-bedroom home that was about 900 square feet, on my bedroom door, I took one of those label makers and I put floor surgeon on my door. And I wore surgical greens in the hospital. I worked in the OBGYN unit, okay? And at 19 years old, I certainly didn't look like a doctor, but I'd have to tell you there were times where people addressed me, and I was the janitor as doctor, because I had to wear a surgical mask that hang, hung down here and stuff. But you know what? It's interesting because perception, perception's interesting. I won't tell you the whole story because most of you know it, but I met my wife in the men's restroom of the hospital. I, I was a janitor. She was a nurse's aide. We started to date. You talk about words. First chapter in this little book, words that pack a wallop. So your words that you use with people you love pack a wallop. You know what this nurse, the head nurse, said to my wife, Sandy? She pulls her aside and says, Sandy, in a very matronly way, don't associate with that janitor. He'll never amount to anything. Ooh, those aren't positive words. Fast forward, fast forward. Remember I told you the dean of students threw me out? Ten years later, guess what? I was a dean of students. Something happened there, didn't it? At the University of Arizona, 35,000 students. And they called me over to work walk-through registration. Well, walk-through registration, some of you went to college. Remember, you walked around and you picked up cards Okay, little IBM, little cards that had little punch holes in them. Do you remember those, or am I talking to the wall? Okay, and you walked around, and you got the classes that you wanted to enroll in, and you got them in a little packet. Okay, Tucson, August. It's 105, 106 degrees. Okay, I'm hotter than a pig in a trough. And I'm sitting behind a desk, or a, not a desk, an eight-foot table that's in every church in America. And I look back in the line as I'm helping with registration because they were just inundated and they were short of help. I was just lending a hand. And I look back in the line and who do I see? But Mrs. Naven, the head nurse, who pulled my wife aside many years ago and said, Sandy, don't associate with that janitor. St. Paul called himself wretched. Oh, when I think about that, I think I'm in great company. Because <laughs> I had eight people to think what I was going to do. When Mrs. Naven came to me, and she handed me her packet, and carnality took over. <laughs> As I looked at her packet and went through, put them back in and said, Ma'am, I'm sorry. This has to be signed by the dean in the TBA building. Well, friends, there is no TBA building. <laughs> I confess this sin to you publicly. <laughs> but I can tell you, 
that that carnal nature of mankind is not far behind you. So as you go and do God's work, you need to be teachable. You need to be open. You need to know that you don't know everything, that you don't have all life's answers in your back pocket. God has always existed. Part of this little book helps people connect the dots that God is who he says he is. Is God who he says he is? Did he pretty, do a pretty good job of creating this beautiful earth? Do you ever sit back and just look at creation and realize that that is God's handiwork? I just planted little hollyhocks at my house. And hollyhocks as a kid, my buddy Moonhead Deech had them in his backyard. And we would catch bees. The bees would come into the hollyhocks and we would grab the hollyhock and shut it tight and pull it off. So now we had a bee. Then we'd put it in a mason jar, you know, carefully, and we'd watch this sucker. He was our captive. Isn't it interesting that things that were part of our youth when life was simple and carefree are something that we all reflect back on? Why do people go to antique stores? Why do people buy things from the past or remind them of those things? My kids call me retro dad because I'll walk in and I'm watching the Lone Ranger. And the Lone Ranger is now on two different Christian stations. And they run it in the afternoon. On the, and, I, and I record them all. I know everything they're going to say. I, I spent so much money in an antique shop once, you wouldn't believe it, to get two silver bullets. For all you young people, the Lone Ranger was, he wore a mask and he had a faithful Indian companion, Tonto, and it was, it was so old school it was terrible because the good guys had the white horses and the white hats and the bad guys had the brown horses and the black hats. I mean, it's really, and, but I, I am retro man. I love some of those old things. And yet one of my favorite stories, I think has some great biblical truth in it about trust. You know, if you're a believer, you have to trust God with what? All of your heart. See, that's the tough part. And, and one of my favorite episodes of Andy and Mayberry, remember Andy and Mayberry? It's been in reruns forever. Was about little Opie, little Opie Taylor, who is now a big producer in Hollywood. He comes home to show you how old this uh, is with a quarter. And his father asked him where he got that quarter from. He said, Mr. McBeavy gave it to me. He said, who's this Mr. McBeavy? He says, oh, Dad, he's got 12 arms, and he's got a silver hat, and smoke comes out of his ears, and he jingles when he walks, and he walks in the treetops. Well, Barney Fife, Andy Taylor's assistant deputy, heard this, and of course, he just said, you got to nip this in the bud. You can't let this kid lie like this, you know. And so the story goes, long story short, that Sheriff Taylor ends up believing in his little son. His little son later brought a hatchet home, a brand new hatchet. And so where did you get that? Mr. McBeavy gave it to me. Well, Andy Taylor takes his little son up in the bedroom and gives him an eye-to-eye -eye conversation. It says, Opie, this has to stop. I need you to say the truth. I need you to tell me that Mr. McBeavy 
is just an imaginary person, that he doesn't exist. And the close-up of this little seven-year-old kid, and there's his little lip quivering as he tries to say, Mr. McBeavee, and he breaks down. He says, I can't, Pa, I can't, he's real. Well, Sheriff Taylor makes the decision to believe in his seven-year-old son, who's telling about this guy that's got 12 arms and walks in the trees. And of course, when he comes down stairs, Barney's waiting. He says, well, did you give him a good whooping? No, I didn't give him a whooping. Well, what'd you do? I believed in him. You what? I believed him. End of story. Sheriff Taylor goes out to the woods where he apparently, where Mr. McBeavy is supposed to be. And he's sitting on a stump. And he says out loud the words, Mr. McBeavy. And all of a sudden, down from the tree comes a man, a telephone repairman. Who jingles when he walks? Who's got a silver hat? Twelve arms, his tools on his belt. And he says, McBeavy, did someone call McBeavy? And down comes Mr. McBeavy. And Sheriff Taylor looks at him and says, you're Mr. McBeavy. I, I am, he says. And you can make smoke come out of your ears, can't you? Yes, I can. Is it hard to believe? Was it hard for the disciples to believe? They saw Jesus nailed to the cross. They saw him die. Where did you find those brave souls? Huddled in a room, fearing for their very death. And then what happens? As only Jesus could do. Miraculously, he's in their midst. I'm telling you, they don't know what hit him. They're thinking, you're dead. We saw you die. You ever feel like you don't measure up? You're in good company. Ever feel like the carnal self gets the best of you? You're in good company. Because the disciples, and yes, they were handpicked by Jesus. They bellied up over and over and over again. And yet they were the same people who saw Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle before their very eyes. So what do we tend to do to ourselves? We should on ourselves. We tell ourselves we should do this, we should do that, we should be better, you know. You can't be a better Christian. You either believe or you don't. But the miracle of all this is what? To love God with all your heart. But see, some of you are deal makers. You like to make deals with God. And don't tell me you don't. Because we've all done it from time to time. Oh Lord, oh Lord, you're God. I'm yours. As Pastor Jack was praying, he used the word submit. Submission. Wow, there's an easy word. As a speaker, speaking at women of faith, 10,000 women in the round in Las Vegas. Lights are in your eyes. You can't even see the people. You can hear them out there. You can see sort of their figures in the thing. But I get up there at the podium and say, ladies, I've chosen as a topic how to be a submissive woman. Now, if you don't think looks can kill, But see, the secret to the Christian life is being what? Submissive. When I do teachings on rearing kids, we talk about authority. Authority is one of those words. It's a bad word today in our society. I'm here to tell you it's a great word. 
because your son, your daughter, has to understand the word authority. I was telling Pastor Jack before service, I'm starting a school in Tucson right now. I have $11.4 million in financing to prove it's true. We open our doors August 3rd. It's a K through six school, okay? It's a charter school, a classical school where kids take Spanish as kindergartners, little ankle biters. Third graders take Latin. I took Latin five times, passed it twice. <laughs> Once by saying to a kid in front of me, lower your left shoulder. <laughs> I've already asked for forgiveness on that one too. But I was talking to a mom the other day and she told me her kid was lazy. She's so excited to send her kid to my school, but he's lazy. I had so much fun talking to that mom. I said, you know, you have to understand what I'm about to tell you. Your kid is going to be unsuccessful at Lehman Academy of Excellence. Well, what do you mean? Unsuccessful. Dr. Lehman, I've read your books. I love your philosophy. I, don't I, I understand that. But you gave me a key vital part of information about your kid. He's lazy. See, a kid who's lazy isn't going to do well in our school because we don't accept excuses from the kid why their homework isn't done. And get this, by the parents. Those of you who are in education, you tell me what's rougher, to deal with the kids or deal with the parents. You talk about how kids have changed, it's parents who've changed. You know, they all believe in discipline. Do you discipline their kid? Then they show up with attorney in hand, okay, with all these rules. I'm telling you, it's not about rules, it's about relationships. So where, where are my teachers going to be on August 3rd in 106 degree weather? Guess where they're going to be? They're going to be at the curb, meeting the students when they come in. Pastor Jack's been talking about attitude. Attitude's an interesting thing. Can you, can you create a culture where people will be different? See, I think you can. But I think it's all a matter of what? The heart. About how you treat people. Years ago, as a young guy, just starting off in the university system, I was the head dorm rat, okay? Sandy and I moved into a dorm with 360 young men. And I was the assistant head dorm rat. And I guess I did a good job because the very next year, the dean called me over and he says, Lehman, we're moving you over to Santa Cruz Apache Hall. I said, Santa Cruz Apache Hall? Wait a minute. That's the football dorm. I ain't going over there. The year before, they put the head resident in the hospital. Some athlete punched the guy out and broke his eye socket. And they said, we want you to go over there, Lehman. I said, my mama didn't raise no dumb kids. I ain't going there. <laughs> I'll show you how stupid I am. They smooth-talked me into saying, Lehman, you're the guy that can go over there and do that. So I had nine student assistants. And one of these kids, in our very first meeting, referred to the football players as animals. They're animals, he said. I fired the kid on the spot, which means he lost his financial assistance for the year. Do you make a point sometimes in life when you take action? You do. I told the kids, very matter-of-factly, these are not animals. These are kids. They have parents, just like you do. And we're going to meet them at the curb. Isn't it interesting, the lessons you learn early in life? I was 24 years old at the time. And here I am, well into Social Security years. Okay? But the same principles work. 
And what I'm telling you is these little gems that good old King Solomon gives us, as Jack says, Ma, wow, the, the world's changing at warp speed before our eyes. But what we can trust is what? The Word of God. And what Solomon is saying is, hey, listen, I want all of you. You have to understand that God's a jealous God. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't want some papas fritas and a, and a couple of tacos. He wants a whole enchilada. He wants all of you. He wants you to love him with all your heart. So you're going to trust God, okay, with your finances, with your marriage, in rearing your kids. But hopefully you're going to have some wisdom to go through this. Chapter 3 in this little book, I've got to hurry, is called Jesus Ain't the Big Bad Wolf. And some of us act like Jesus is the big bad wolf. Like he's going to knock on your door, he's going to huff and puff. No. In fact, one of my memories of, of being a little kid and having a mom of faith, and I could care less, was the wall hanging she had in my room. She had two of them, and one of them was Jesus knocking at the door. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I figured out the significance of that, because as you remember, there's no doorknob on the outside. Do you remember the story of the three little pigs? The one little pig, you know, he made his house out of sticks. Well, you know what happened to him, okay? And then and the next little guy, I think he made it out of mud. There's different versions, by the way, I checked on the three little pigs. I always thought there was one version. There's several versions of it that are written in different form. The next guy uses mud and sticks and whatever. Well, he ends up being, you know, pork tenderloin himself. And the big bad wolf nails him too. But that third little pig, smart little sucker, he made his little house with bricks. And he learned to see his grandchildren. And see, as a kid in Sunday school, I remember we sang the song, the wise man built his house upon the rock, not the sand. And see, the rock is building your life on the word of the Lord and the words of Jesus Christ. And he tells us clearly, he says, you know what? I want to make you fisher of men. And you fishermen. How many of you guys are fishermen? Anybody fishermen out there? A few, not that. There's a, if you look out there, there's a big lake. There should be more fishermen. My goodness. But you ever been skunk fishing? And here's these guys. They're out fishing. They're skunked. They haven't caught a thing all night long. They see this guy. They're not even sure who he is at first. He says, hey, fellas, got an idea. Cast your nets on that side. The carnal self would say, what? We've been out here fishing all night. That's not what happened. They threw the nets the other side at more fish than they could hold. That's the God we worship today in the flesh. God sent Jesus to this earth so we could identify so the roots of spreading the gospel could start with those 12 simple men. And they were simple. As I've said many times in this church, they were dumb as mud. And you have to understand that you don't have it all together. But the power that God gives you by way of the Holy Spirit allows you to take on anything. Yes, you're going to be criticized. Yes, you're going to be hammered. Yes, you're going to have people say things just like Mrs. Navin said. You know, I've been put down by a lot of people. And, and for some of us, that's just, a, that's just a spark that says, okay, game on, I'll show you. Other people wilt under that because we're all built differently. Trust me, I wrote that birth order book. And why does that speak to that one? 
So God covers us all, flaws and all. And you're only going to be able to really service him when you understand, when you understand how imperfect you are. I learned this lesson about forgiveness a long time ago. Our youngest daughter, Lauren, just graduated from college. Her first job is with Disney Imagineering. If you know anything about Disney, these are the people who design rides. So here she is, 22 years old, working with mechanical and electrical engineers, and her major was toy design, okay, which is a far cry from that. But anyway, she was the one that uh, was easy to rear. Uh, I mean, where can you say publicly you raised a kid and she never, ever talked back to you? I'm telling you, that's who Lauren was. Lauren is like an only child. She's an achiever. Uh, and yet she was a kid that look back, had great wisdom. At age 13, she, inv she invited this kid to a University of Arizona football game. And one of the things that I think is sacred and ought to be in the Bible and isn't is football. And uh, I hardly ever miss a game. I try to build my speaking schedule around University of Arizona football. And I took her and this little kid to the game, 13 years old. I get the kid in the car, and I figure out this is the kid that I just told very straightly what I thought of his little attitude over the phone one day. And I'm feeding the kid. It cost me about $22, if I remember right, to feed the kid. He ate like a horse. And we took him home after the football game. As soon as, as soon as the kid got out of the car, I looked at Lauren. I said, Lauren, why would you invite that kid to the ball game? Because I had put two and two together. You know what she said? She says, because no one likes him. I said, what? She said, because no one likes him. I said, that's why you invite him to the game? Now you tell me, who has wisdom? My 13-year-old daughter or me? This is my 13-year-old daughter. Wisdom doesn't always come easy. But I've, I've learned so many lessons from Lauren. Like I said, she was, she was easy to rear. But I remember when she was about three years old, uh, we were teasing our little dog, Barkley, who was a little English cocker. Barkley, want a treat, want a treat? And Barkley would sit up and do all these little things for a treat. And then Chrissy, my second daughter, and myself, decided to have some fun with Lauren. And we grabbed a real, a real cookie. It said, Lauren, want a treat, want a treat, want a treat? And Lauren all of a sudden got the look on her face, slid away from the table, and walked away. And Chrissy looked at me and said, Dan, I don't think that went down the way we intended it. <laughs> and little Lauren went to the stairs, Chrissy said, and slid down on her belly downstairs, went into her bedroom, and closed and locked the door. So being the father, what do I do? I said, Aunt Chrissy, Aunt, why don't you go talk to her? So Chrissy goes down, Lauren, Lauren, honey, I'm sorry. you got to write it down. She's three years old. She says, honey, I'm sorry. We, we weren't making, we were just having fun. No, you need to say you're sorry and you need to write it down. Okay, honey. So, so Chrissy was probably 15 at the time, I'm guessing. She goes, writes it down, puts it underneath her door. Wisdom of the three-year-old, what does she say next? Daddy has to write it down too. <laughs> so we went through the whole thing over again. But you know what? Forgiveness. It's not an easy thing to say. Would you forgive me? I was wrong. 
I misspoke. I ran over your feelings. Get five kids together in the same house as adults and watch what happens over a week or two. I'm telling you, things don't always go smooth. There's times where people, you know, get sideways over one thing or another. Oh, I gotta make some executive decisions here. Oh, and you really need this. This is, oh my goodness, you can't live without that one either. Oh, wow. Well, I better bring it to an abrupt halt. Is God who he says he is? He is. What's the big problem you got? What's the big problem facing you today? What's that thing that is just insurmountable in your life? So you need to answer the question, is God who he says he is? Be still and know that I am what? God. He's God. Every time I go to Walmart and buy the little Niger seed, the little bird seed, to feed those little birds that are yellow and stuff. By the way, they make a great dinner. You get about 12 of those together. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't send me a nasty email on that. But you know, even when I do those simple things in life, you know what I tell myself? I tell myself I'm, I'm helping feed the birds of the field. And God says, you know, I did a pretty good job with those lilies, didn't I? And the birds of the field, take care of them. I can certainly take care of you, who claim me to be your heavenly father. But what he says is this. I want all of you. My question for you this morning is, what's that one thing you just, you, you just can't let go of? And it's usually out of fear. It's out of fear of just exposing your own vulnerability. When you pray, do you pray from the ideal self? Oh, Lord, make me this. Oh, Lord, make me that. Or do you pray from the real self? Lord, you know I have a problem with this. You know I have a problem with that. Do you know the irony of that? You're praying to God who knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows when the sparrow falls, and you're praying from the ideal self. Like, oh, I'm not going to tell God what I'm really like. He knows what you're really like. He needs you. He needs you to understand that. For whose benefit? Not for his benefit, for your benefit. So that you can submit your whole life to him and you can live life abundantly. And that's his promise to you. But I want all of you. It's as simple as that. So that's a decision everybody has to make. Am I going to keep playing these games with God or am I going to fork it all over? Now once you fork it all over, and many of you in this room have done it, praise God for that. Remember that carnality we talked about? It's still there. It doesn't go away. All you got to do is put you under pressure, back you in the corner, and all of a sudden that carnal self comes flying out. You say words that are inappropriate. You say hurtful things to somebody you love. I got news for you. That's the human condition. I'm going to quote St. Paul on that. He says, you know what? I don't understand myself. I tell myself what? I'm not going to do these things, but yet I do these things. So what's up? I mean, look at me, I'm near death. But this is what I've concluded. <laughs> That's the human condition. That's how we all are. So why is God's grace so bountiful? Could it have anything to do with the fact that you and I need his grace, what? Daily, all the time. Why? Because we're dumb as mud. 
And I've, you've heard me say it in this church for years, the disciples were dumb as mud. It doesn't sound right when you first hear it, but you figure it out. You know, they were. And you and I are dumb as mud. And that's why we need him every day. And that's why we read his holy word. And that's why we talk with him when we're driving down Interstate 90. And you can talk to the creator. If that's not cool, I don't know what is. Well, listen, Pastor Jack said I should shut up at exactly this time. So since he's the leader of this church and a good one, I just got to tell you, he's, he's been a good friend. We, we talk behind closed doors about everything that comes up. I shared with him this morning something that was really interesting. <laughs> you're, you're, no, you're not going to hear it. But uh, he is a good friend, and uh, I've enjoyed this tradition with him. Uh, I pray that it continues. I always enjoyed coming here. You, you guys will always have a special place in my heart. But let me just close with some prayer, and it will go from there and enjoy your day. Father God, we acknowledge that you are who you are. And we claim your word, Lord, in every part of our life. Trust is a difficult thing. And uh, I just pray, Lord, by way of your Holy Spirit, for those of us who just struggle making that initial, okay, Lord, I'm all in, that today might just be that day. Lord, you love us as we are, and may that reality become true in our lives. We understand that it's not measuring up, it's not jumping harder, higher. It's just simply loving you with all of our heart. So bless the people here, Lord. Uh, bless the many workers behind the scenes, the Sunday school teachers, the people who volunteer in every capacity in this wonderful church. Continue to pour out your bounty upon them. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.